Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's bi-weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Recorded at the PW offices in New York City, I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Please check us out at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the graphic novel review editor of uh, Publishers Weekly. I am also the co-editor of PW Comics World, as well as the editor-in-chief of The Beat at www.comicsbeat.com. And I'm Kate Simmons. I'm their podcast producer. This week on More to Come, uh, digital manga publishing goes on hiatus. Uh, Viz Media's Shonen Jump Alpha, digital magazine, uh, and simultaneous Japanese and English publishing. Uh, retailer outrage over early digital releases. Uh, the Boston Phoenix versus Carl Stevens. Uh, and grim figures on uh, uh, creator on indie uh, comics. The news briefs and a selection of cool books uh, for your comic book reading pleasure. So, um, let's get right to it. Digital manga goes on uh, hiatus I think, for most of the beginning of uh, 2013. Uh, for January through June. Right, that's yeah. That's most of the beginning of twenty nineteen. Well, that's that's yeah. the whole first half. <laughs> you know, I didn't even know they were still publishing. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, apparently, their um, digital publishing is doing quite well. Well, for digital manga publishing, I guess it makes sense. But they are taking the time to quote unquote fix their production schedule. Right. I think are they going to spend more time with their family while they're at it? No, they're spending more time with their digital work. <laughs> and they are retooling their website. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, digital manga has been a very interesting publishing house. I mean, they're a small house, but uh, they certainly have been sort of instrumental in trying to, you know, offer new business models. Uh, obviously, they're, they're behind the digital, digital manga guild, this uh, new effort to kind of bring down the cost and speed up the translation of manga uh, by basically by transferring all the costs to the back end. So, um, it, it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out. I hope this isn't, you know, uh, an indication of something being wrong at the publishing house. Oh, I don't see how you could possibly <laughs> think that a six-month publishing hiatus was um, an indication of something being wrong, Calvin. But uh, um, I know they mentioned something about working with their emanga.com site. I mean, they certainly were uh, kind of pioneers in getting digital manga out. And the fact of the matter is certainly uh, 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 when you look at all the problems, problems on the print side, publishing... Digitally, that's got to be a relief. Uh, but yes, um, uh, knock on wood. Well, my suspicion is that it's not so much the company's failing as that they're thinking of going entirely digital, but they haven't yeah. quite admitted it they yet. Don't, yeah. yeah. But um, mm-hmm. but the one thing that is not being moved on their schedule are all of their uh, Tezuka and Kickstarter books. Right. 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 Which they it. already had paid for via Kickstarter. So yes. there you so, go. So, no <laughs> Funny how that works, isn't it? <laughs> well, but also people have already paid for it, so they'd be pretty peeved if it right. didn't come out. Um, okay, moving right along. Um, and Viz Media announced this week that uh, a really a, a firm date for something they've been talking about quite a bit in the past. Uh, Shonen Jump Alpha, uh, Alpha, the digital anthology that they launched to, to replace the uh, the print and uh, the print monthly that they uh, folded. Um, is going to go simultaneously, uh, simultaneous publishing in Japanese and English on January 21st, which actually happens to be my birthday. Wow. I don't know whether this is a gift to me, but yeah. I accept. Thank you very much, Ms. Media. <laughs> now, why have they been resisting for so long? Was it just the logistics? Logistics. It's logistics. They want to do it. It's they logistics. Just right now, um, when they first launched uh, Shonen Jump Alpha, they had a two-week 
right. period. It was the two weeks between when the... Uh, I think it's going to be chapter by chapter. Um, so uh, uh, they originally had planned... Uh, they really had a two-weeks window uh, just uh, as the Viz um, Media uh, publishing director, uh, Alvin told me multiple times. Um, but I guess they finally worked through whatever issues they have. I mean... Most manga publishers that I've talked to have really looked at simultaneous Japanese and English publication as kind of really the, the, the goal. Uh, it, it is both what the fans want, and it also is probably the best way to fight piracy. Right, right, exactly. So, but well, giving people what they want. Well, yes. When they want. When and, they want. And Which American is now, fans, as everybody wants it now. International fans want their manga really the same times as the Japanese fans. Yeah. Right, they don't want to be left behind. Exactly. Nobody does, uh, and, and the especially because Japanese fans speak English and come online and are like, "Hey guys, did you hear what's in the latest issue?" Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, more to come um, really on that. Well, speaking of being left behind, mm. uh, there was uh, we touched on this briefly on our last podcast, but um, it turns out that ever since DC has gone on the Kindle and the iBookstore and the Nook with their periodical comics releases, why suddenly? Uh, comics, digital comics, which had previously been available at 3 p.m. on New Comics Day, were suddenly available at 3 a.m. on New Comics Day, um, which was not in the agreement that they had made with retailers. And um, it's a private retail forum where, where a lot of this played out. So, uh, so do but we like, know if that was intentional or a glitch? It was not a glitch because they put out a statement that said that. Anyway, yes. So, uh, but they were, the, the retailers were a little bit upset about how they found out about it on, uh, which was on a couple of websites as opposed to DC holding their hand and breaking the news to them gently, which is how, uh, these things have happened previously. Um, in the good old days. In the good old days. Like and, 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 and to answer Kate's question, a statement did come out after the fact, after uh, people had just discovered that the comics were available. And, uh, DC said something that really, I think, uh, I mean, they didn't, there was no bedside manner. There was no handholder. They said, you know what? We don't control what Amazon, Google, and Apple do. And uh, I think some comics retailers might have felt a little bit um, oh insecure God. about hearing this statement. I can so a cold wind, wind. Blowing, <laughs> yeah. blowing through the direct Glory. market right now. Yes. Uh, and uh, so I've I mean, talked to a few people, and I mean, there is a lot of anxiety about this. Yeah, and, but it's not because just having the comics on sale a little bit earlier really is going to have that much of an effect. Uh, because as we've shown, like comics are suddenly available day and date in the past year, and guess what? Periodical comic sales are actually yeah. stronger than they were last year so and the year before. Perplexed about, I mean, one of the things we've been talking about really, uh, and about the retailing space is how refreshing it is that retailers seem to have gotten over their fear of the digital. Well, I think this is a new thing. But it's because, coming back again. Because they think that people want the newest thing and can't wait six hours or 12 hours to read it, and therefore people who would have picked it up on their way to work suddenly are buying it online instead. Right, and I, I you know, that's a legitimate fear. That's totally that's legitimate. Totally legitimate. Yeah. But uh, I think the real issue here is just kind of a trust breach, and, uh, uh, you know, that doesn't work like it did before. And uh, I, I, I think, you know, there's some mixed feelings among retailers about that they are, the comic shops are the last best hope of of the comics industry, and, uh, you know, I think that's partly true, as we've talked about here many times, but I think you really just, you know, there's a lot of channels now, and if you are not equipped to deal with the fact that there's a lot of channels, then you shouldn't be in business in the year 2012 or 2013. All publishers on the pro side as well as the comic side want 
physical retailers. They want to yes. have their physical books out. They want people to be able to pick them up and touch them and browse them. That said, <laughs> the world has changed. <laughs> Uh, it's moved. Uh, digital is a part of the mix. Uh, yeah. It's there. Uh, it's day and date. It's been going on for a while. Uh, what we've seen so far is that you know digital is sending people into comic stores. Um, right. Let's Absolutely. hope it continues. Um, um, I think it will. And you know, I think what really this uh, this is the harbinger of is what's really going to be the big story in 2013, which is what do uh, Google, Amazon, and uh, Barnes and Noble, and uh, you know Microsoft, what do they all want to do with um, an Amazon? Of course, what do they want to do with comics, and what kind of effect are they going to have on how comics are sold digitally and in print? Because well, they are very much interested in the graphic novel and comics sphere. And right the, tablet now. the the tablet Tablets. computing um, uh, format has really driven that. Uh, and really, I mean, I actually think there was a, um, uh, an interesting story in the Times this morning, just about how, I mean, really, people are. I think David Pogue did a column about. Uh, he, he was asking for questions on some radio show he was on uh, about technology. Every question was about a tablet. That's what people want. That's what's going to drive a gift, uh, gift giving. Mm -hmm. And believe you me, all of these platforms that you mentioned know it, and they want comics on yep, the platform absolutely. because it's ideal absolutely. for tablets. Absolutely. And they, it's selling tablets. And uh, I think we ran a, our own story, the, the, the Cyber Monday, what was it, the Kindle store yeah. sales were the biggest ever, yes. one-day sales. Uh, yes. So, I mean, Christmas is going to be huge for tablets. Uh, yeah. There are going to be comics loaded on these tablets. So, you know, when we are sitting here in a year's time, it's going to be tablets, tablets, tablets. <laughs> but I think it has the advantage of raising the profile of comics, of making people aware of things that they might not have otherwise been. Right. And, uh, you know, at some point, maybe print, even print collections of these books might be able to be sold. And, uh, you know, I, I, I spoke about this with one retailer who was especially leading the outrage parade, and uh, I said, well, you know, what are you selling in your stores? And he was like, well, graphic novels. And I was like, <laughs> You know, I mean, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Digital, and yeah. So, uh, so you know, just grow. Yeah. We're we're evolving, and uh, you know, as people evolve, some yeah. are happy and some well, are we'll not happy. We'll check back in with check back. retailers, yeah. and uh, and you know what? Uh, maybe they'll have a change or two. We'll exactly. Find out. Exactly. More to come. Yes, yeah, as, as we often come. say. Um, okay, and yet another more you know light controversy: uh, the Boston Phoenix versus Carl Stevens. Well. This was uh, this was a, a, an interesting and somewhat amusing story. I mean, uh, essentially, Carl Stevens, uh, uh, the um, creator of three self-published graphic novels, all of them uh, well-reviewed to critically acclaimed. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly, the last one in 2010, The Lodger, was a finalist for the uh, LA Times Book Prize for graphic novels. Uh, that alone in itself, I think, a, a, a pretty amazing thing. Right. self-published book right. being nominated for a major American book prize. Right. Um, he's had a comic strip in the Boston Phoenix for about... Well, it's a little confusing. I think the, the um, um, failure, the one that we're talking about here, only goes back to about two, 2009. He's been doing online comics for them since about 2005. Right. Um, they decided to basically cancel the strip. Um, the news we got originally from Carl was that uh, the latest strip has a, let's say, a raunchy reference to a sponsor, Bud Light. A raunchy reference, in fact, that almost all of us have used it one time or right. another in regards to light beer of any label. Um, 
He blamed it on that. He said that uh, the strip was canceled because of the launchy reference in it. Now, the failure is a, a really interesting comic strip. It's completely eccentric in every way. Usually, it's his effort to kind of target some cultural or political topic uh, you know, under the guise of like a quirky personal illumination. Um, and he's a wonderful illustrator, uh, uh, catchy dialogue, and it's a funny strip yeah. in its own way. Right, it's a little bit like David Reese, I'd yeah, say, except is. it's actually he's a, drawn. He's a, he very actually can draw his ass off, yes. if, if I yes. may say so. Yes. Um, uh, he claims that it was canceled because of the raunchy reference to Bud Light. Uh, the editor of the Phoenix, um, Carly Carioli, uh, finally got back to me, um, categorically denied it, um, said it, 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 he, it, it was, he has never. Uh, had an objection about the strip from any sponsor, um, and also uh, claimed, actually, also asserted, and actually Carl confirmed it, that <laughs> Carl has had more artistic freedom at the Phoenix than any other single illustrator, <laughs> artist, or photographer ever. And Carl said, yeah, that's you know pretty much the case. Uh, but Carl got it on, on a good, uh, from a very knowledgeable source, uh, at the Phoenix, that this was what happened. And, and all of this is kind of driven by the fact that the Phoenix has been relaunched. In well, advance. that's a, you know, I mean, I think really For this, a is, new audience, this really. is just another. It's not pure alternative press anymore. Right. And this is just another, you know, falling leaf in the demise of the alternative newspaper. Yes. And which was before there was an internet, people would get these newspapers every week and look to them for information. Yeah, and launch. And launch, yeah. yes. <laughs> so now you can yes. get it on the internet. Yes, you know exactly. Yeah. So the so and the comics were a very important part of the alternative news weekly from the you know, yes. the Village Voice on with Jules Pfeiffer, but then starting with the advent of the internet, they just became less and less important. And you know, I Carl, to be honest, I think he was one of the last. I mean there's so few yes, who actually yes. have ongoing no, strips that are supported by their local paper, but didn't the Phoenix actually change its format to from a newspaper to a magazine? Yes, to a, yeah. to a weekly magazine. Yeah, and you know, and and, and according to the editor in chief, there's, there's many more changes coming along. Now, there is some discrepancy between how the editor describes letting Carl know about this and how Carl says. Uh, and, and really, if you really want the blow by blow, I've got an article up on publishersweekly.com/comics. Feel free to go and read it. You get both sides of this. Um, he said, he said. Yeah, he and, and I think that, 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 you know, as I said, I think really what this story is all about is, you know. The end of an era. It's really. the end of an era. Yes. Yeah. And the I mean, dwindling, I mean, maybe it was the bad joke, and maybe yes. that was just another, you know, like. And Fanny's like, a fine oddball strip. I loved it. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but you know what? Uh, so long. Moving on. More to come somewhere else. Um, well, uh, also, uh, we talked about a little bit of grim news here. Uh, Jim Zubkovich, who writes under the name Jim Zub, because no one can spell his last name, uh, is the creator of Skull Kickers, which if all of us probably would have said, if you'd quizzed us, probably one of the more successful recent image comics launches. It's been around for a couple of years. Uh, the first issue was a big sellout. Uh, yeah. There's a treasury-sized collection of it. Uh, so, the, you know, uh, ongoing trade program. So if you were to say, oh, I think this is a book that's really showing how it really works at Image Comics, you probably would have thought, yeah, I bet they're even making some money off of it. Well, Jim wrote a whole post on his, yeah. on his blog where he talked to some folks. He amended it a little bit. Uh, it's even got a pie chart, but let's just say the pie chart 
uh, the part the, of the money that is left from, say, even a two ninety nine cover price is a very, very slim sliver of pie that wouldn't feed really a grasshopper. And, in fact, he says that after the retailer, the distributor, uh, the printing, and the publisher gets their cut of that $2.99, uh, what they're left with is a uh, page rate that, if they're lucky, could be between $30 and $60 a page, which isn't really all that much. Now, we've talked here many times about how The Walking Dead sells hundreds of thousands of copies, and I guarantee you that Robert Kirkman and Charlie Adlard make more than $30 a page. Not to mention Brian K. Vaughn. Yes, yes, with Saga. And, uh, you know, in another conversation the other day, it was decided that we could solve all the problems of the comics industry if only Brian K. Vaughn wrote all the books. But, um, I'll go for that. Yeah, right. But um, Until he can clone himself 40,000 times. Yes. But, uh, you know, basically, this was kind of a little bit of a, of a kind of dash of cold water, I, I'd say, because the numbers he was working with was 5,000 copies sold, and to be honest, most image books sell between 5,000 copies, 6,000 copies. So, you know, people need to have a day job, unless you're, uh, you know, Jonathan Ross. You know, she also said that the Comet file I thought was really interesting. Yes. Uh, there was a lot of interesting discussions in the Comet file, uh, I thought, um, on the nature of the direct market, and the, the traditional book market. Right. I mean, it's a conversation that I think most of us know, but it's good to see it out there in the industry a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, certainly, I thought, for my part, coming from the book industry, there was a, quite a few comments about returnability and non-returnability and the nature of it and how it works or doesn't work in the comics mm -hmm. business as opposed to the book business. Um, so it, it's, it's informative no depressing right. <laughs> discussion. Well, yeah, it's a little bit of a buzzkill because everybody's been saying, you know, as Marvel and DC have becoming more and more constricted in the kind of books that they publish, everybody's been like, well, go self-publish an image. That's the promised land, you know. And I I mean, I, I have a feeling that maybe the, um, the uh, you know, ulterior motives that Jim might have had was maybe discourage everybody and his sister from jumping in with their own creator own book and image. I think that might have... Yeah. Or just really if they need to get. I mean, I, everybody shouldn't think that if they do an image book, they're going to become as rich as Robert Kirkman and Brian K. Vaughan and Fiona Staples. I mean, that's probably well, not know, realistic. I, you know, but I will say, as an image... As an image bride, I mean, you know, you can make money off of image. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, just in a more general sense, because I also think that we're in an era, as self-publishing has become more and more of a powerful force, both in the conventional publishing industry and in the comics industry, uh, there, there is a revisionist, or you could say just the sort of an honest response, that, you know, that everybody's out there trying to get rich and they're really going to become disillusioned. I'm really not so sure that people think they're going to get rich. Now, people want to make their money back, and certainly if they can make a living on it, even more, even more is the better. But I do think the notion that somehow or other, um, you know... Uh, it's a gold you know, rush. That, yeah. Well, yeah, that, that, that people think, yeah, I'm going to get as rich as Robert Kirkman. I, I just don't right. get it. I don't think people are there. People don't. want to know, can they get their yeah. book out? Can they make enough money to keep doing their books? I mean, I think that's what they're now. These figures suggested, well, it's going to be a tough haul to do. Uh, but, you know, at the, on the other end, most people don't go into the artistic realms, uh, I don't think, under a huge illusion. Not in this day and time. Mm. I did, like, 30 years right. ago. 
but anyway. I think there's a lot more information. And, uh, you know, I think it's figures like this, though, that do make Kickstarter such an all, a very attractive alternative. Which comes up quite a bit in yes. the uh, and people, merchandising. Right, and, you know, the, people uh, do a Kickstarter now to publish their book and image. So <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. I, I mean, there's... All the publishers are all in. Yeah, so, so talk so. about multiple revenue streams, you know. You know, you just need to be good. Yeah. <laughs> no, like that. Really good. As discussed earlier with the tablet thing, it'll be interesting to see how... That changes a bit of business model and makes things like digital only, maybe. Well, I think digital publishing is only going to become more and yeah. more mm-hmm. important. Yeah, which still has, you know, uh, underpants gnome. Step two. Yeah. Just got to find step two, that's all. <laughs> okay. News briefs. News briefs. Uh, Craig Thompson, creator of Blankets and Habibi, has, has announced his next book is for children. He has now announced a deal with Scholastic for an all-ages graphic novel called Space Dumplings about a little girl rescuing her father from a space whale. (laughs) You go, Craig Thompson. (laughs) We await it with great curiosity. Space whale, space whale. Neil Gaiman's Gaiman Foundation has donated $60,000 to the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund's educational efforts, not their legal efforts. This goes toward Banned Books Week, toward retailer, professional, and uh, reader education about censorship, and an example of previous initiatives of the education wing of the CBLDF is the Manga Breast Practices for Parents and Teachers. Excellent. Good news. Yes. And one last piece of digital news, which didn't make it into the first part of our broadcast, uh, Dark Horse is now bringing their comics to the Kindle. So if you're getting a Kindle for Christmas, you can also get Dark Horse Comics. And I assume we're talking about the Kindle Fire here, the tablet. Uh, well, I, I don't think it would show up yeah. very well in Nothing the other ones. I mean, the maybe the black and white books would show up well on the paper white, but... Well, you know, Dark Horse is unique among publishers in that they have their own software, their own app. They're not available through Comixology. They they, do their own thing. Yeah, so for them to uh, get on to the Kindle is really just, you know, getting their app... Um, approved and up to code for that. So, Okay, and that's our news for today. So that brings us to our cool books to check out sequence. So uh, who wants to go first? Oh, uh, okay. Well, I've got a couple books. It looks like everybody here has a book, maybe. Yeah, from, it's okay. that season. Yeah, it's, but it's not, okay, they're not all from Fantagraphics, because both of mine are, and I felt a little bit bad. Mine's but, from Abrams. Oh, there you go. All right, well, mine is a lot of great books coming out at the end of the year. Um, more to come next time, I'm sure. Uh, I just want to note, you'll never know, Volume 3, Soldier's Heart, came out by Carol Tyler. This is the third in a trilogy of books that she wrote about her parents, and uh, especially her father's. Um, experiences in World War II and how that really affected her growing up and her life and, and, and then her own marriage. And, you know, she's married to cartoonist Justin Green. And, uh, Carol, Another legend. Yes, <laughs> and Carol Tyler is really a, uh, a absolute treasure. I mean, I love her books. And, and I think, like, the first book really got a lot of attention, but I don't think the subsequent two have really gotten that much. But the third book is out now, and I, I think the three of them together tell a really amazing story and uh, definitely worth checking out. So from the sublime to the ridiculous, uh, my other book, I it's out in January, but I suspect it'll be out before then, is Tales Designed as Drizzle, Volume 2 by Michael Kupperman, and I make no bones about the fact that I think Michael Kupperman is just one of the funniest human beings out there. Uh, I could just sit here and, and read Home Along with Your Grandkids, Old Tune Favorites, When Squirrel Meant the Ant. 
Ba-dum-dum, dum wah 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 Anyway, maybe you had to be there, but how to pattern print with a potato, Johnny? The things you will need. Anyway, what? Uh, approaching Grandpa. Sherlock Holmes versus Jungle Boy. Tales the Intestinal Submarine. Johnny Exposition and Show Me Your Wiener. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Classy stuff. <laughs> well, I'll do, uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, talk about two, um, two books sort of... Uh, Created by uh, you know Asians, but uh, but not necessarily for Asians. Uh, the uh, the first one we we'll talk about is of course Shattered, uh, the Asian American Comics Anthology. Uh, it's the second volume. Uh, it's uh, I, I think they've got a franchise going because uh, the, the first book was about secret identities, and this one um, is called a Secret Identities book. Um, but really, it's it's uh, Jeff Yang is the editor, and it, it really brings together a whole range of terrific Asian artists: uh, Bernard Chang, Larry Hama, uh, G.B. Tran. Um, the list goes on. It's an anthology that of of stories that try to deal with Asian uh, representation in the West. Now, it, it, I'm saying that, but don't feel like you're going to have to take notes on a college course. These are really hilarious, uh, funny stories that try, they have a point, but really they're all about showing comics off as a great medium uh, for investigating, you know, something, you know, beyond just whether you can fly through the sky. Uh, um, it's, um, uh, one of my favorite stories in it is called Showtime, and in the age of Jeremy Lin, um, you can <laughs> take it from there, it's, it really is about an Asian baller who comes across a demon of a b-baller. So uh, definitely go and pick it up. It's uh, really got some really terrific work in it. And uh, you know what? It might even make you a little smarter. And uh, the other book I want to talk about is Dim Sum Warriors, the print yes. version. Um, just out now uh, from Yumcha Studios and the, the two co-founders, the delightful Yin Yin Wu and her husband, uh, Colin Gao. These, these two have a really amazing uh, global background. Originally from Singapore, moved to New York about 10 years ago, um, uh, loved it, really realized the, uh, that this was the land of opportunity. Um, they have made an award-winning feature film. They have launched the uh, digital comics, uh, including Dim Sum Warriors, which is really the story of warring Chinese snack foods, um, <laughs> steamed and fried. And, uh, but in the digital app, it actually also teaches Chinese. The app will can be read in either English or in Chinese. Mm. You just push a button and it'll How change back and forth. The app actually, I think, till the end of the year, the app is free. You know, oh, it's awesome. one of those things. The app is a shell, and then you can buy uh, uh, six. Comics. There's six issues, and I think the first. Actually, I think all the issues are free right now because the print font really is. They're using it to hype the print, and when once it um, uh, the discount period passed, I think they it's like two ninety nine an issue. So you can buy the app, read all the comics, or they just published this month a, a print version of it in a, in a handsome trade paperback volume. Dim Sum Warriors, Enter the Dumpling. Enter the Dumpling. Yeah. There you go. Great title. Uh, they, they've got great sense of humor. They, as she says it, they're, they're out to, to kind of try new digital models uh, and have a lot of fun while doing it. Um, and I think we're going to get that out. I'm uh, actually going to be talking to the BBC about them in about a week. <laughs> wow, so awesome. um, uh, check it out. Yomcha Studios, Dim Sum Warriors. You'll be glad you did. Okay. And my book is The Carter Family, Don't Forget This Song, um, by Frank Young and David Lasky, coming out from Abrams Comics Art. And if you know someone who has any patience at all for graphic novels and likes folk or bluegrass or country and is interested in the story of the Carter family, 
this is the book. It's it's really sweet and kind of interesting, and it covers their rise as a music group from 1927 to 1944, and so you get a lot of interesting background about what the music industry was like at that time, which is to say, bare bones and quite different than what we think of it, and, um, you know, how they got along as a family, and, you know, what inspired them to make music, and I mean, that sounds boring, but it's actually really very interesting and, and fascinating, and, and very well researched and written. Drawings are, are sort of understated, but cute. Sounds good. A drama, dramatic story of uh, one of music's first yes. families. All right. Well, uh, we're sitting here with an embarrassment of riches in yes, comics. Not uh, on time. We love our jobs. Um, but um, uh, uh, like all things, I guess this, this has uh, come to an end. I know. So, well, until next time, there's more to come. There's, there's more to come. Always-